Welcome to the Live Wire, a podcast by the Downey Patriot and sponsored by Labrie. My name is Eric Pierce, editor of the Downey Patriot, and my guest today is Greg Welch. Greg is a pillar of the Downey community. Uh, he and his wife Barbara own and operate Risher Mortuary. Greg is also a personal trainer, a chaplain with the Downey Police Department, uh, very active with nonprofits and community service. And some people may not know this, but he's also a big motorcycle guy uh, riding his Harley across the country. Uh, Greg, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Uh, Greg, we have a lot to talk talk about today, but I want to ask you first about what I'm most curious about. Uh, You own Risher Mortuary. Uh, What was it like during the pandemic in 2020? What was your experience like? Yeah, it was... was really tough. The funeral business is a tough business anyway. And my wife is Barbara Risher. It was her family's uh, mortuary starting back in 1959. So when we met and I started coming around the business, um, we actually lived on top of the business for 10 years. And that's where I actually learned the business. So we both are of a mindset and have the heart for this type of work and uh, so we've dedicated the god as a ministry to the bereaved <clears throat> which made it even tougher because there were so many people people we knew um that were passing oh wow um, and even more than one member in the same family and the hardship that families were going through was was just really devastating to everybody, including our staff. Was had, had you ever experienced anything like that before? No. No. No, never never so much all at the same time. People were they had several challenges. They, obviously the worst thing in the world is losing a loved one. But then they had a hard time finding a mortuary that could even serve them. Oh wow. Because there were so many Deaths happening. There were so many. Wow. When did you first start seeing the surge in, in, in deaths? In uh, early December. December. Wow. How did you How did you handle it? Well, we gave priority to our pre-plan uh, people that mm-hmm. would plan ahead. They were guaranteed, basically guaranteed a spot. Okay. <clears throat> and then we also gave priority to Downey Police. Um, when they would make a call to the uh, uh, house call when there was a, was a death, mm-hmm. they weren't allowed to recommend us, mm-hmm. but um, if it was a Downey uh, Police Department um, referral, refer, well, I want to stay away from referral because they're not allowed to okay. say, here's who you should go to because I'm a chaplain. So they would just uh, ask the family, have you made a decision on a mortuary? And they would oftentimes call several mortuaries. Uh, and any time the Downey Police Department would call us, we would make space. Got it. So not to get too graphic, but how did you find room for so many, for so many bodies? Uh, it was it's very difficult. We, um, luckily, a couple of years ago, we built a refrigeration unit that was much larger I'm like four times larger than we had had in the past. Mm-hmm. And it was just right in the nick of time 
Oh, wow. What kind of toll did it take on you personally? Well, it was, uh, my wife was working all through the day and working into, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. But then we were live on the phones. And so I basically slept in our nursery at home so I could answer the calls through the night because she had been working all through the day. Wow. So basically coverage your wife at one time and then you. That's right. So for three months, we didn't even sleep in the same room because a mortuary obviously is 24 hours a day. You know, the Lord takes us home in his timing. And so we would get four, five, six uh, calls all through the night. Wow. Have things settled down now? They have in terms of COVID deaths. Yeah. Because as you know, the whole science and data and understanding how this thing is transpiring, bottom line is nobody really knew. Right. All we knew is that we were losing people. And therefore, it doesn't matter what any political pressure, any uh, societal pressure says, we transcend that and deal right with the family's care. Absolutely. Um, so we, uh, we just kept our nose to the grindstone and did what we needed to do. Greg, what I admire about you is that you're you're a man of faith, uh, and you're dealing oftentimes with people during with families during their worst moments. What, what do you, what do you tell people when they've lost a loved one? We actually we try to minister to their broken heart. That's <clears throat> not to say that we sit them down, open up the Bible, and share scripture with them, but there's a lot of of Christian faith and scripture you can you can portray just in how you handle them and when you care for somebody there's a there's it says in the bible that which you've done to the least of these you've done unto me mm-hmm. and that's Jesus saying take care of everybody so we actually found solace and comfort in the fact that we were being able to comfort them this is never a good time and but the um, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians it says to comfort those in their time of sorrow as God has comforted us in our sorrow everybody goes through this and being there for each family gives them comfort and it comforts us knowing that we were there to help them yeah. I don't know how you do it because it would be, it sounds like a very emotional process and not everybody can do it. So blessings to you for being well, able to do you. that. Thank you. Uh, Greg, a, a little bit of a, of a happier note, I guess. Uh, you're, you're a personal trainer. Do you see the irony in being a personal trainer and also working for a mortuary? Well, yeah, there there is a little humor in that. In fact, um, when people would find out uh, that I was working as a, as a funeral director as well, they sometimes would make a joke. So I pay you now or I pay you later. <laughs> and, uh, and it was You're going to get them one time. <laughs> That's right. Greg, did you grow up in Downey? I did not. I grew up just in the neighborhood next to us, uh, Sanity Springs. Oh, did you? Okay. Because yeah. I've known you forever. I've always known you as a Downey guy. Well, <clears throat> I'm kind of a wannabe. <laughs> From Santa Fe High, we... Uh, we thought, oh my gosh, 
if we could just go to Downey, the girls are so much better looking. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it's kind of funny because in high school for date night, we would actually take our girls to Downey at Christmas time. Really? Just to cruise up and down the streets. Oh, yeah. To look at the Christmas lights. Yeah. And then we'd end up for fine dining at McDonald's <laughs> and then go back over the hill to where we came from. Well, thank, thank you for bringing your tax dollars to Downey. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of what Rick Rodriguez always says is that, you know, he wasn't born in Downey, but he got here as fast as he could. Yeah. That's great. So now you're so ingrained in the Downey community. When did you start becoming so involved here? Well, right out of high school, I started attending the Downey First Baptist Church. And that's basically where I, I laid down my roots. Okay. Uh, even when we moved off of the mortuary and uh, got our own home, we would still commute to Downey for church. Mm -hmm. And so I was beginning to be ingrained then. And then as the as our business grew and we entered the Downey area for the mortuary to uh, serve Downey as well, uh, I started getting involved. And, and uh, because of my faith, I'm also a missionary with Calvary Chapel Downey. And uh, so it's all part of the, it's all part of the same concept. And uh, you've done a lot of traveling as a missionary, right? Yes. Where, where have you been to? I started uh, on the, after the typhoon in the, in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. uh, and then went to Nepal after the earthquake, went to uh, Haiti after the earthquake. I've been wow. there twice. I uh, went to the Amazon jungle, uh, anywhere where there's a disaster and there's relief and recovery needed mm -hmm. is kind of what our mission is. Okay. So we've gone to Louisiana twice after their hurricane to help rebuild houses. Right. We went to um, uh, Puerto Rico after their hurricane. And uh, and then now we've, we've got a, our foothold in the city of Detroit below the eight mile, the natural disaster there is simply uh, poverty. Okay. And, and, and a group of people uh, below the eight mile that have just been abandoned. Mm. So that's your priority right now as missionaries? They're actually trying to start a uh, planet church or maybe a community center. We have to call it a community center because churches almost scare people sometimes. Yeah. The place is surrounded by churches and according to the people there they say they're just fleecing us we're poor somebody dies here every night and they want our money mm -hmm. so we do something different in our approach it's as chaplains we go out to the community and and share the gospel provide backpacks and jackets for the winter coming up in the school season and, uh, and that's why we're looking at this community center idea mm -hmm. And it's an old dilapidated building just to get people to come there without having to worry about somebody wanting any little bit of money they, they don't even have. Right. Greg, have you ever been anywhere that made you nervous? Surprisingly, no. Um, it's really an interesting deal because we were going down uh, in the Amazon jungle, the Ukeli arm of the Amazon River. And they're pirates on those boats. And we were even told to be careful because they've been 
attacking people on the boats. And the boats are just, they're small boats. They're 40 foot long, 50 foot long, and there's people, produce, and livestock mm -hmm. on these boats. And, uh, and we, we didn't care. I go into, I'm the only, one of the only um, Anglo mm -hmm. people on our team in Detroit. And I'm walking up, we have a, we have a hot dog a barbecue set up on a corner. And when people would stop for the stop sign right mm -hmm. there at the four-way stop, I'd walk up to the car, reach my hand in the window, introduce myself, say, hey, let me, uh, let me buy you lunch. Mm -hmm. And these folks are, um, they're pretty tough characters sometimes. Sure. And uh, one time we actually went up to a door to see how people were doing, see if there was anything we could do for them. And we actually heard the telltale sound of a spinning of a revolver um, just on the other side of the door. Oh, wow. Uh, because they don't know who's coming up to the door. There's these Hispanics and uh, one white guy. Right. <laughs> and, and they say, this is out of the ordinary. They, they don't know who you are. They don't know who we are. And they want to protect themselves from us. Absolutely. But, um, no, I... We just ask the Holy Spirit to go before us, protect us in our mission, and uh, and let God take care of the details. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, when did you become a personal trainer? I got my master's in exercise physiology back in 1984. Okay. And I was the director of sports medicine at the 84 Olympic Games. And about that time, uh, personal training was was born. And so I said, well, you know, um, I could do this. I mean, there was body by Jake mm -hmm. and all the Hollywood guys. And I thought, well, I could, I could do that. Yeah. And that's when I started in 1984. And you're still going strong. I am. COVID did take a, a toll on my business. Mm -hmm. um, people aren't that encouraged to get back in the gym. Uh, they're not encouraged to have a stranger like myself in their home. Mm -hmm. I, um, I'm a gerontologist. That's a specialty of my personal training. So I deal with the older adult. Okay. And older adults are a little bit more nervous. We, you know, I are one now. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't back then. But older adults are a little bit nervous about uh, their own immune system. Sure. So uh, the business has not come back full force. Not yet. Not yet. Greg, you know, I, I think uh, we might have glossed over this, but did you say that you and your wife lived above the mortuary that was your first home? Yes. What was that like? Is that not a little bit, a little creepy? Well, it is to everybody who thinks about it. <laughs> In fact, I didn't think it was all that great an idea. Mm -hmm. uh, but when my wife and I started dating, uh, I actually didn't even want to ask her out because her dad was a funeral director. I thought that really? is too weird. But she was too cute and still is. And uh, she was 18 and I was 22. So when we started dating and we dated for six years, mm -hmm. uh, which she'll never let me forget, <laughs> uh, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. And as I came around the family more and more in those six years, it became normal. Yeah. And being that the mortuary was built in 19... In the 40s, uh, my father-in-law took it over in 1959. 
back then it was very normal to have residences above the mortuaries. Really? Because we didn't have the phone systems and all the computer type stuff. And people would knock on the door at three in the morning. Well, that makes sense. And so we just, all we had to do was go downstairs. Interesting. But I got, um, I was used to it and actually uh, looked forward to it because I could be close to that business and then work as an exercise physiologist um, elsewhere. Interesting. I think there was a movie about a family that lived in a mortuary. Was was it My Girl or I forget? There was a movie about it. But that's that's kind of fascinating. Two people who aren't in in there. Yeah, we um we don't necessarily um there was a we don't necessarily appreciate a lot of the what Hollywood does in terms of the image. Sure. Um, like there was a uh, a TV show called Six Foot Under, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was basically insulting. When my wife was a little girl, the kids on the playground would say, ooh, your dad's he does that? He's a funeral director? And my, my wife in elementary school would say, yeah, he does. And when you lose, lose somebody that you care about, you're going to be really glad he is. Oh, wow. And that's where the ministry is. Yeah. Because it's not for everybody. Yeah. And, no. uh, you know, I'm not a mechanic. You know, mm-hmm. I can't, I can only take a car apart. Right. I can't put it, <laughs> you back, can't put it back together because being a mechanic is not for me. So. Sure. Um, you know, speaking of being a mechanic, you, you're a motorcycle guy. Yeah. Are you, are you still? Oh yeah. Yeah. You drive, you have a Harley. I have two. You have two. Yeah. We're, we're, and I know you've gone to, is a Sturgis, Sturgis. and it's, it, it's so, you know, like you picture, I see you. It's kind of hard to picture you like in leather and riding a Harley, <laughs> yeah. but you do. Yeah, well, that's that's something that my dad rode a Harley, and uh, I've always wanted to. And when our kids got older, my wife finally gave me permission, and uh, <laughs> so I've been to Sturgis three times, and that's the largest and most well, one of the largest and but most popular motorcycle rallies. Uh-huh. So people converge on the little town of Sturgis, which is a quarter of the size of Downey. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, the first time I went, there were 750,000 motorcycles. Wow. The second time I went, there was a million, 200,000 motorcycles. And then uh, it dropped off with COVID and there was only 486,000 uh, of my closest friends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but the riding in the Black Hills of South Dakota, is just spectacular yeah and the riding through utah and getting to sturgis is spectacular yeah but what i'm really excited about now is this may i'm doing the run for the wall and that is an organized rally that we take there's uh three routes northern mid and southern starting in ontario and going all the way to washington dc to the vietnam veteran wall Wow, nice. And it's called the Run for the Wall. And then when we're there, uh, there's a parade called Rolling Thunder. And that's obviously because Harleys and motorcycles, they're mm-hmm. not all Harleys, but motorcycles, are, they tend to be a little loud. Yeah. And we do a parade all the way around the National Mall. Wow. And if, you, if you're not patriotic, you will be <laughs> when you see that because people are waving, they're thanking, they're uh, crying. It's just a real spectacular 
show uh, patriotism, and it's at Memorial Day weekend. That's great. You know, what I appreciate is when you travel, you usually take your Downey Patriot with you. I do. So I know you're going to for this trip also. Yes. Everywhere I go. <laughs> I've been scuba diving. I've been uh, everywhere I go. I, I take the Downey Patriot. You do. And we thank you for it. Have you ever been in an accident on your motorcycle? No. Uh, by the grace of God, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a saying that there's two types of Harley riders. Those who have gone down. Mm-hmm. And those who haven't yet, uh-huh. and it's a kind of an ominous, not so funny statement, sure. uh, because many people that do go down basically they don't get back on the Harley. Right, they, it's it's pretty scary. I can imagine. But to buffer that, I don't use my bike as a commuter. I don't ride to work. I don't cruise around town shopping or whatever. I just do it for long rides. Yeah, and it kind of limits the odds or better is the odds because I'm not in that much traffic all the time because yeah. it's really the other people right. that cause the problem. Who don't track their lanes, who merge, who change lanes as they exactly. don't like. Yeah. Great. So you're a chaplain. Uh, you, you're a mortuary owner. You ride a Harley. Uh, you're a personal trainer. Is there anything else that we don't know about you? <laughs> uh, I've got four of the greatest kids you'd ever want to meet. Yeah. Um, my uh, oldest son is a major in the Air Force, uh, now serving. He did three tours in Afghanistan as a, a pilot, and now he's in the reserves. My second child is my son, Zachary. My first one is Nathan, and Zachary is a fireman for LA County, uh, oh, wow. fireman paramedic. And uh, then my oldest daughter is Kaylee. She's a captain in the Air Force, um, labor and delivery nurse, now in the reserves. And then Jenna, my baby, just got married last weekend, and uh, she's a producer for a video company. And uh, uh, and so they're all gainfully employed. Very successful. Out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully uh, bring me some more grandchildren. My oldest has given me two grandchildren. Fantastic. Uh, Allison and, uh, and Liam. That's fantastic. Yeah. So life is good. That's great. Great. We're wrapping up. I want to thank you for being here. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before we close this out? Well, for anybody who is listening to this, Downey is a great city. Um, Stay in touch. Get involved. There's lots of great opportunities for just for anybody and everybody to be involved. There's Rotary, Kiwanis, Optimus, Suroptimus. Chamber of Commerce, Elks, um, lots of opportunity to pitch in and keep Downey the great place that it is. Because that's what it takes. Yeah. It's people to be involved. Very well said. And don't let me forget, one of the best organizations, gangs out of Downey. There you go. And we are solid in Downey because of the effort that citizens, police and fire, uh, political figures, school board members, teachers, they all get involved to let kids know that there's a better way to go than being uh, recruited by gangs. Absolutely. Very well said. Thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll talk again soon. I hope so. Thanks, everybody. This is the Downey Livewire, a podcast by the Downey Patriot newspaper. Have a great day.